Wir gehen jetzt in den Wassers los. It's Deinen Freundo, Seth, I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. Listen! What is up, Super Ninfrendos? It is Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 593, the real episode 593. This time, not that fake one from last week. I am your host, Seth Macy. I am joined by industry legend, Kat Bailey. Hello, Seth. Hello. Good to see you. 
Pam Schneider. <laughs> that, was, that was funny. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. And in the froggy chair this week, we have special guest, Dan Reichert. Hey, that's me. How's it going, everyone? Wonderful. Very excited to have you on. We have an exciting episode because we're talking about the secret best games coming to Nintendo Switch in 2022. But first, Mario Kart 9, they said it couldn't be done. And now it's real. According to a report from, or excuse me, a quote from Dr. S I, uh, I don't know how to properly say his first name, so forgive me. Sirkan Toto? Sirkan Toto. Sirkan Toto, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that Mario Kart 9 is in active development and it has a twist. My question is, what do we think that that twist might be? Daniel, my worry is that I, my worry would be that it's some sort of like hardware gimmick or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm all for like when they would do things like, oh, you're going upside down and, uh, you know, we've got these new bumpers and the glider and going underwater and stuff like that. But that's kind of been in the last several of them. I just hope it's not some weird motion gimmick or Joy-Con contraption or something like that. Uh, or the fact that the sensor. twist is like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, oh, it's a mobile game again. Like, I hope it's just like it's a straightforward Mario Kart for the Switch. And there's something about the racing element that is new that we haven't thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, every, every one of the I know, any of the mainline games had a twist. And then obviously we just had uh, a game that incorporated uh, remote control cars as a as a hardware feature. And that was obviously not a mainline game. I figure it's going to be something like the dual card setup um, that we saw, you know, with with double dash, like some right. sort of gameplay changing element where it's not just you're banking all these items. There's some other kind of element that that at least adds over the last one. We've talked on this show a bunch about what the next Mario Kart could be. And, you know, I, I kind of think that after Super Smash Brothers Ultimate did such a good job kind of combining all the, the series staples, all the all the characters, all the stages that they would go with a Mario Kart Ultimate because that's easiest to do. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's you don't have to reinvent the, the game. But um, it'd be cool to see something original. Yeah. Kat, do you, have do you think that, you know, they kind of open it? Sorry about that. Uh, do you think they kind of open the door to Link and like outside of the Mushroom Kingdom canon? You know, do you think we do more of a Smash Brothers thing where we could have third parties or Splatoon characters? Well, actually, they, they did. Yeah. Splatoon characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like outside <laughs> yeah. of the typical, like, do we blow that idea out more? I mean, that's what people were talking about on Twitter. Super Crash. Uh, what was it? Super Crash Brothers? <laughs> or That's good. Nintendo Kart. I, I like Super Crash Brothers better. Yeah, but Nintendo Kart would be a lot of fun because that would offer a lot of opportunities rather than just going with straight Mario Kart, especially if you play to the personalities of the individual characters more. Like, you know, having special abilities for, say, Link, or the split the the octolings or whomever. Yeah, he throws his sword instead of just having banana peels and, and bombs and all that. But like they, you know, they obviously dabbled with this. They got Splatoon in there. They got Animal Crossing in there. They've got F Zero, right? Like one of the few life signs mm. of F Zero was in in Mario Kart. And like lots of people think that we haven't gotten a, a new F Zero because 
this game already has the kind of hover um, card stuff and and the the crazy. Those people are and wrong, that. and they should stop. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, come on, we got to get one. We're gonna will it yeah. into existence. Remember, but like I, the one thing that I'm wondering about, like, could Mario Kart be core to the Nintendo Online strategy? And what they've done with stuff like Tetris 99 is they've incorporated their other themes into it, right? And with Splatoon, they dabbled with the theme battles. Mario Kart would be the franchise to do that with, where yeah. Maybe every month you have, you know, one month is Zelda month in Mario Kart and like it adds the characters and abilities or something like that would actually give Nintendo online an identity and something for people to look forward to rather so than a what demo. you're saying in is uh, the twist is you have to have a Nintendo online subscription <laughs> yeah. for, for the themed stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure, yes. sure, sure. Or maybe more structured months and tournaments and things like that. Like, didn't they play with that with Mario tennis aces a little bit where it's like, okay, like these ranks reset every month. I forgot what it was exactly, but it was more kind of structured. Here's the standings for this month, you know, or we yep. could do a themed month. Like you said, Pierre, you know, things like that. Because yep. they had tournaments really, in the last couple. It, it just, did, you know, yeah. it was never that surface. You had to kind of like go into the menus to find it and set it up and everything. I think it's really optimistic to assume that Nintendo would ever emphasize online <laughs> with Mario Kart, which is True. not traditionally uh, online has been a fan based initiative going all the way back to Warp Pipe back on the GameCube. And I don't think that would change, honestly, with Mario Kart 9, because despite it's almost like Nintendo's doing Nintendo Switch online grudgingly i think they would rather do local play party play and it's worked out for them mario kart 8 is one of the best selling i think it's the best selling game in the entire series despite the fact that actually the online is pretty bad in mario kart 8 it's the best selling racing game of all time Mm -hmm. but you know i I th- I think times times are changing to a degree that even Nintendo isn't ignoring, right? And like F- Fortnite happened a few years ago, and obviously it kind of proves the staying power of a game that constantly adds new kind of crossover content and new ideas. And like you know, it's a top-grossing game that is literally free. Um, and so I, I don't think that passes Nintendo by. And then there's the focus of, you know, Xbox really providing value with Game Pass. Sony's going to follow suit. Nintendo up the price of Nintendo Online. <laughs> I, I feel like they're at a point where when they get together, uh, you know, for their fiscal year planning, one of the big OKRs, their big objectives for the year is subscription revenue from users who play continuously online is what that means, right? And like, how do you make that happen? <sighs> N64 games, that's not, that doesn't have the broad appeal of online play, competitive play. And they've got Splatoon and Mario Kart to, to kind of, you know, nudge that more. Is there any world where you think Mario Kart is not free to play, but if you have Switch online, uh, you, can, you can play it for free and buy cosmetics? Or, or car parts, things like that. Yeah. Loot, loot, loot boxes. I, I, Dan, I think somebody with a calculator sat down and tried to figure that one out because, I mean, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe made so much money. Being a re release, right? Making so much money. Yeah. And like for that to go free to play, the subscription dollars really have to, really have yeah. to be there for that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We all know that uh, they're not at the moment. But that's okay. I real quick, I want to say my twist or what I think the twist is going to be. Uh, if you die in Mario Kart, you die in real life. It's going to be <laughs> good one. Super intense. Hideo Kojima's Mario Kart. Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now you got me thinking about having uh, 
have Metal Gear Solid levels in Mario Kart, actually. And that would- when you were talking about third-party stuff, I was literally thinking of Revol- Revolver Ocelot piloting like a Metal Gear Ray oh, through a course. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it, that's just the Sega and Sonic All-Stars thing, though, right? Where it's yeah. like, here's yeah. Shinmu and yeah. Well, this year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I could watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with, like, Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, It's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, Um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, That link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Mario Kart now, we know it's in, well, we don't know, but there are credible rumors that it is in development. I don't think that's a surprise, but this is sort of the first real rumor that we've heard about it. Who knows what the twist will be? Leave your comments below, but Mario Kart 9, it's real, everybody. We've been talking about it for the entire time that Mario Kart 8 has been around. Let's talk about the secret best games that are coming to the Nintendo Switch in 2022. Last year, we talked about the five hottest games. And then, you know, and then the comments were all, well, what about this game? Well, what about that game? Look, we can't talk about all of the games at once. We have to portion it out. You, you get sick and you'll have to go to bed with a tummy ache. But tonight, or today rather, we're going to be talking about the secret best games coming. 
I want to give a shout out to a game I am most excited for, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's mm. Revenge. Because uh, if you see behind me here, there's a arcade one up four player Nintendo or excuse me, Ninja Turtle cabinet. I love Ninja Turtles. I might have been arguably a little too old when the Ninja Turtles hit. I was in seventh grade and all the fourth and fifth graders at my school were really into Ninja, Tur Ninja Turtles and me also <laughs> was into Ninja Turtles, but I don't care. So this is the game I am most looking forward to. This is by the makers of, uh, oh God, I'm forgetting the name of it. Uh, Paladin. Oh, I reviewed it and everything. It's a very great game. I'll Panzer Paladin. Panzer Paladin. This is by Trippie yeah. Games. Yeah. yeah. And I absolutely loved that game. And this game looks like it's going to bring that same amount of charm. Uh, it just looks like you're going to, it's like my dream come true. It's like you're playing a, a Saturday morning cartoon, even though this was technically a syndicated after school <laughs> cartoon. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. Give me, give me more Ninja Turtles in my life, especially the old school eighties ones. Oh, look at those graphics. Oh, Looks good. Mm. Put you on the spot. What's the best <laughs> turtles arcade game? The best turtles arcade game. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Turtles in Time, I would say, but that's also the. Best. I would say that's the best. Yeah, and and as far as nostalgia, I definitely have that T two the arcade game. I had the NES version, but I always when played you say it the at arcade the skating game, rink. Do you mean the SNES game, or do you mean the actual arcade? Well, game? there was the arcade game turtles, was just <laughs> Turtles Four on the SNES is not just better than the arcade game. It's probably one of the two or three best beat 'em ups ever made. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. It was just because uh, they had to call it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game on NES, right? Because it was just called Turtle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the arcade, but they had the Konami one with the swimming on NES first, so that had oh, to be the sequel, right? Man, that game was brutal. <laughs> that game was underrated, awesome. I think. Yeah, that, Were we talking totally. about this before, Seth? I got, where yeah, you said we, that you got all the way to Shredder. It. I got all the way to Shredder, and my each That's one of incredible. my turtles had one slice of life left, and I, was, I never beat the game. Yeah, no, that game... I, I think it's perfectly rated. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just love that you get to play as April in this new beat em up. That's, that opens up so many possibilities in terms yeah. of the of characters that you can end up picking. Yeah. What's her power? Does she have like a gun? No, no. She has her, <laughs> her microphone. And oh, she answered the microphone? Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's not enough just, uh, yellow jumpsuited people in video games. So that's awesome. I'm trying to to think. I, I go to the Simpsons one when I think of that era. And then Marge had the vacuum. Homer just had his fist. What did Lisa have? She didn't like she use the saxophone or anything, did she? Uh, yes. Lisa had the jump rope and Bart had the skateboard. You're right. You're right. Lisa yes. was Lisa a somewhat ill-defined character. So they're like, I don't know. She likes horses. She's right. a girl. Yes. She has a, a Early jump Simpsons, rope. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's another great game. But that one's not coming. Next up. We have Metal Slug Tactics. Would anyone like to speak to Metal Slug Tactics who can pronounce yeah. it better than I can? Cat, please. I, uh, I interviewed the developers, and you should oh. go read my interview from last year. Suffice it to say, I'm really excited about Metal Slug Tactics. It looks like kind of a bite-sized uh, tactics game, maybe in the vein of Into the Breach, yeah. where you're going through these maps very quickly. And I'm glad, actually, because... So I, I really want to quickly go back to classic Fire Emblem. I think I was playing Fire Emblem 6 on the GBA recently. And my first thought was, man, these maps are actually a little too long. Um, they're not holding my attention as much as I would kind of want them to. So I'm really excited that Metal Slug Tactics is taking this kind of more of a bite-sized approach. But more to the point, it looks extremely faithful to the actual oh, yeah. series. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love the the way that they've managed to capture the look and feel of the pixel art from the original Metal Slug, which honestly is 
they're still some of the best looking 2D oh, sprite yeah. games ever made. So Metal Slug Tactics, I think it hasn't been getting a ton of attention in part because we haven't seen a lot of it, but mm. I think it's has huge potential to be on my top 10 list at the end of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, as an Advance Wars fan, I I always loved the, the me- mechanical units in the Metal Slug franchise. Like they just have the craziest tanks. It's like tanks stacked on top of tanks with cannons on top of cannons. Right. And so if they have the kind of weapons wheel where it's like, you know, air defense missiles against flyers, that sort of stuff, this could be really fun. But yeah, it does seem like it's a little bit more. It's, it might be in between Into the Breach and Advance Wars as a setup with maybe a little tactics over in there. And I think that's right for Metal Slug, a yep. series that was so arcadey in nature. Like you want it to be bite-sized like an Into the Breach and not like a Final Fantasy Tactics with some in-depth job system or something. Mm-hmm. Like you want it more like this. Yeah, it does look absolutely wonderful. And I yep. generally... For the most part, steer away from tactics style games, but I'm going to give this one a shot, mostly because I agree the sprite art in Metal Slug is like the most incredible probably ever in the history of sprite art. <laughs> Check out that book. I don't get paid by them, but uh, Bitmap Books. I always give them a shout out. They're Metal Slug. A lot of good sprite based games coming out this year, seemingly between Turtles and Metal Slug Tactics and things like that. So oh yeah, and well happy. then. The, the next, next game <laughs> is Sea of Stars, which is probably out of the um, all the ones that they showed at the Indie Direct. This was, I believe this opened the show and I was like, well, I don't need to see anything else because this is the Seth Macy game and I want this in my life right now for a lot of different reasons, but probably the most superficial of which is it just looks so beautiful. Like the sprite art in this is incredible. It looks like um, uh, a Secret of Mana in a, you know, a well. With Chrono. Like, yeah, with like yeah. chrono influences, and it's uh, I think this comes out in the fall, and that's forever from now, and I can't wait that long. And then I probably won't be able to review it because it'll be Black Friday, and that is my all-consuming thing that I do in the fall. But yeah, is anyone else excited for Sea of Stars? Yeah, the the moment I saw it, it, I had exactly the same reaction, and I don't I don't want to get excited for new games because they look like <laughs> old games. But I have such fond memories of of Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana as well, although Secret of Mana doesn't it doesn't hold up right like the combat system the action combat doesn't hold up as well as the turn-based stuff from that era and like this this is doing turn-based it's got that it's got that kind of micro overworld that classic 16-bit rpgs have the kind of airship uh, sailing all of that so yeah this this is hitting all the fields for me and i really like the the sprite art too <laughs> Yeah, I gotta and say, I typically if we're talking about a... Chrono oh, Trigger nostalgia, Mitsuda is involved as well. So we're going to have a soundtrack that sounds a That's lot right. like it too. Yeah. Yeah, I never uh, really played a lot of JRPGs growing up. It wasn't until I started reviewing games and I would get stuff like, oh, here's Chrono Trigger on DS. And I'd realize like, oh, turns out I missed out on a whole awesome <laughs> genre here. So like Chrono Trigger specifically is the one that kind of like opened my eyes to what I was missing. And just looking at this, the sprite art for the bosses, the way the actual combat looks is kind of like laid out uh, like Chrono Trigger. I don't know if the, the do you know if the characters are going to play off each other the way that like, you know, they wouldn't with you know frog and stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think all we've seen of this has just was that uh, that reveal, right, from the the Nintendo Direct, the Indie Direct. Yeah, right? yeah. So far, this looks great. Hopefully, yeah. we find. And this is a, a prequel to The Messenger, which is another beautiful game that I haven't played. Really? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I probably should get around. I wouldn't have guessed that no. looking at this. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out. Speaking of pixel art, once again, here we are, triangle strategy. <laughs> 
It's the story of the Switch, right? It's the story of the Switch. And Mm -hmm. I don't care. Look, I'm 44 years old. I'm Tom Brady's age. This is all the stuff that I want in my life. Mm -hmm. I want to play games that I could have never dreamed of playing when I was a kid that they're just bigger in scope and in detail and everything. And then you've got Triangle Strategy, which looks like Octopath Traveler, which was one of my favorite games when it came out on the Switch. And I, I want to try this, even though, like I said, I'm not a big tactics sort of strategy type uh game player but well hopefully square's careful naming uh, convention has convinced <laughs> you to give this one a, a try i don't think there's anything more exciting than the words triangle and strategy put together in trademark mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i'm look really looking forward to dodecahedron strategy <laughs> hey it worked for <laughs> octopath traveler it, yeah. They just loved it. They'll be like Project Octopath Traveler, and we're like, they'll surely they'll never keep that. Oh name my god! And... Like six months after that game came out, I think I was on the NVC Facebook group, and someone was like, "Oh, did you know Octopath is just the first letter of every character's name?" In the and I was like, "I did not actually know that." So <laughs> I think that game gets a bad rap. That game's pretty solid. Octopath, yeah. the writing, Octopath the story, and everything, not the best. A lot of people I yeah. know love it. I absolutely yeah, you know, I liked it a lot. My wife loves it, and I just feel like a lot of people talk down on it, and do. mainly because of the writing and the story and the way the characters don't really interact. But like, I thought the gameplay and the combat was oh. super snappy. Like, I, I was a fan. Yeah, I think I think it's that the wordiness, right? Like we we are used to acted out cutscenes and kind of more of a of a movie like presentation. And sometimes you get a JRPG where the characters constantly ask each other if they understood what they just said, right? And like that sort of wordiness, I think, can be a turnoff, but you know, we, you can you can fast you can fast read fast forward. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, it, I tell everybody it's because I'm a nerd, but I always switch the voice acting to Japanese so that way I don't feel bad when I skip through it because I'm like, well, I don't understand it anyway. So, <clears throat> but, yeah, yeah, it, it looks pr- pretty. I really love this art style, and you yeah, know, we've too. said this before. Like, they should just make every <laughs> classic Final Fantasy game remake them like this. Well, the Dragon Warrior 2D 3D game is in this not engine but is in this style of course we don't have a solid release date for that but rumor is it's coming out this year it makes me sad that advanced wars doesn't look like this the new advanced wars one and two let's talk about advanced wars one and two reboot camp which was originally supposed to launch last fall but has been pushed into 2022 i think march or maybe april but yeah. Somebody can shout me out on that one. I think what, what you're getting with Ad- Advance Wars, and obviously I'm the world's biggest Advance Wars fan uh, certified, uh, is I, th- I think that this is just a test to see if there's still life in this franchise, right? Like it's very telling that we never got Andy or any of the other characters in Smash Brothers. Um, this is a classic Nintendo series that goes back to the original Famicom, right? Famicom Wars was the name. Um, and, you know, there, there were games that... Uh, we never got in the U.S. before this series arrived as Advance Wars on the on the GBA. Um, I you know I don't mind that we're getting a straight remake as long as it looks and feels exactly like those two games. They they're really really good as are many of the DS games as well. And um, if that leads to them taking it seriously and then you know redoing the visuals and really upgrading it for uh, for for the Switch, I, I think that that's a really positive thing. Well, I think it's almost in that F Zero uh, camp of like, well, it's not officially dead, yeah. where it's like it's still referenced and there's characters and other games and assist trophies and things like that. But it's like, come on, when are we going to get like a new proper Advance Wars? You know, like yeah. was it the Wii was Battalion Wars? Was that the last yeah. like full on new one? That was a Kuju game that was 
to to retool to be set in the advanced wars world basically so that was a co- an original concept they had and then they applied it to advanced wars yeah but um yeah. no it's been it's been you know since the ds days that we've uh, we, we haven't really gotten a, a proper classic advanced wars strategy game like that now if you've never played advanced wars it's fire emblem with all without all the harry pottering around and all the kind of like going to schools and oh. talking to friends and dating and all of that that's advance wars is just the turn based battles but it still has that kind of nintendo flair of funny characters strange things happening sometimes like weirdly out of place depressing world destroying like plot elements happening that are just cool. way way too dark for these games but um it's it's all that kind of like you know taking over um, enemy cities and then being able to spend the extra money you make by taking over cities to produce new units and like these games are so fun because when you get to this tipping point where you've been bombarded by the enemy and you you're fighting for survival and then suddenly you're making all these tanks and airplanes and all of that and you have this comeback moment it just feels really good. Yeah. If they Yeah, I was kind of bummed when uh when uh, GBA era is kind of when I started playing Fire Emblem mm-hmm. and uh Advance Wars and like I liked both of them a lot. I was fairly new to tactics and I was like, "Oh, I think I really am into this type of game." And then all of a sudden it's like, "Well, okay, we're going to make 90 more Fire Emblem games." Yeah. And they're all really fun <laughs> for the most part, but it's like uh, I kind of like I always liked the aesthetic of the the kind of like modernish military with like a anime flavor to it. I preferred that aesthetic than the kind of fantasy Fire Emblem stuff. And the music is really good. I mean, it, it really is a quality franchise, but it is a niche gameplay genre, right? And like Fire Emblem, RPGs are no longer niche. That's a that's a mainstream big genre. And Fire Emblem was, I think, able to succeed because it played to the strengths of the RPG elements and, and really expanded those. The classic Fire Emblem games are almost exactly like Advance Wars, only that they're named characters that die, right? That's the big difference. Advance Wars has units where if a tank gets blown up, you'll build a new one. They could expand on that. They could, you know, add the heroes into the into the mix in bigger ways. Sure. I was going to say, pair that if this is a test to see if the franchise is still alive, they might be a little disappointed because mm. it's not getting pushed very hard, and uh, it looks kind of like a budget release. It's being made by WayForward, who have done good work in the past, but yeah. it's going with that kind of basic two point five D look that makes it look eh, not amazing ultimately it kind of depends on the gameplay i suppose and whether it hits all of the nostalgia beats uh there was a famous quote i think from somebody at intelligent systems uh where they were asked so advanced wars like you you've been doing a lot of fire emblem why not advanced wars they're like well you can't make the tanks date okay yeah. and that's <laughs> you can totally make the tanks not with that kind yeah. of yeah. you can make Steam the you commander's can. date yeah that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. so but, hello I mean, I think I think probably Nintendo saw Wargroove succeeding on its platform. That yeah, is that is a, a Fire Emblem looking Advance Wars clone, right? And it's a really good game. We talked about it at length that we love it, but um, I think that did really well. And so, you know, they're probably saying we can't make this too big of an effort, but let's test the waters. And yeah, way forward is is trusty, yeah. trusted, and competent. So. I'm hoping it does well, and then we get this explosion we got with Fire Emblem, which is, it's not going to happen. Like, the military theme is not going to be as big as the medieval dating stuff. It's yeah, just not. I don't know. That, the dating tanks, I'm pretty excited about that, actually. Uh, now that Cab brought, brought it up, I think yeah. I'm all in. 
That's good. You're gonna have like the face touching thing, but you can just like rub the barrel of the tank. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I'm shipping oh, yeah. the helicopters with the tanks. You know? Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh this one pair put on the list, Far Changing Tides, which is the sequel to Far Loan Sales, neither of which I have a lot of knowledge of. So Pear, I ask you, please tell us yeah. why. Well, far far loan sales. Um, t- I think Tom Marks uh, turned many of us onto it um, when when he, he recommended it on the Switch. Yeah, it it was a, a game that wasn't on my radar. It's literally it's an adventure game where it's all about getting this this big sailing something. It's not a sailboat. Like get this this craft to move forward, and it's basically kind of puzzle uh, gameplay where you have to clear a way for it. You have to figure out how to power it. That sort of stuff and. Was a very, it's a kind of slow-paced game, and I don't mean slow in, in like the bad sense. It's just not a game where you shoot and, you know, with a lot of action. It's all about, it's, it's like classic point-and-click adventure games, but you actually control your character. Um, and this sequel, we don't know a lot about it yet. We just know that it's, you know, the same kind of concept um, of, of, you know, clearing a path to travel farther. And you can see it in the, in the gameplay footage. If you're watching the video version of NVC here, that there's a lot more exploration that kind of leads away from your, your craft to, to do stuff and discover stuff and then possibly uncover more about the story. So it's a really unique game. Like, honestly, I can't think of another game that's exactly like it, which is why it should be on the list. Well, now I'm going to have to check this one out. Yeah. Kat, uh, Dan, you have anything either one of you like to add? I think that pretty much anything that's not Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be underrated this year <laughs> or a secret yeah. best game. Like they just announced the release date for Kirby, and I'm sure we'll get to that in just a yes. hot second. But it's probably the most ambitious Kirby game you've seen in a long time. But it's going to be overshadowed by Breath of the Wild too, because oh, that's yeah. where all the hype is. A hundred percent. I know next year when we're doing like the game of the year discussions, everyone's going to be like, "Kirby came out this year? Oh my god, mm-hmm. I can't believe that!" Well, too bad it's not on any of our lists anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dan, you got anything? Just seeing these, just seeing these underwater craft on a Nintendo podcast reminded me that Steel Diver exists. Oh man, oh. where did that go? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Giles Goddard. Goddard. <laughs> Underrated game on the 3DS, honestly. I, I actually kind of liked it. It was a launch game, right? Yeah. yeah, it was a launch game for the it 3DS. Was. I remember going to a 3DS event in New York City uh, before it came out and Reggie pushing Steel Diver way harder than anything else. And I was like, this is <laughs> this is the one you're leading with? The submarine game? But yeah. I never played too much of it, but it, it was well, all right. What else Kat? was there going to be on the 3DS? I mean, there was the oh, Rainbow Six Street game Fighter. that was a tactics RPG. <laughs> yeah, Street Fighter 4. Uh, yeah. Um, Pilot Wings. Steel Tekken? Steel Steel Diver had the same problem that Pilot Wings has, where it's like people people care about characters more than they care about vehicles and crafts, right? And it's like I there is a there's a really cool concept. Like I love the control, the idea behind uh, controlling the the submarines, all that. I'm a big submarine fan, but I can't imagine them ever going back to this one unless it's part of something bigger, you know? Yeah. Like right. steal everything. Here's an airplane, and you know, Advance Wars Cinematic like Universe with Steel Diver. Forever. Yeah, and the airplane can date the submarine. Yeah, that. there you go. Yeah. Crossover. Mm-hmm. Well, I always considered it the spiritual successor to Silent Service for the NES, which is a game oh. I used to love. Or Hunt for Red too. October. Hunt for I never played the Hunt for Red October game. It's for the Game Boy game. It was oh, surprisingly good. 
I would have not guessed that, but I have to take your word for it because you're. You made me feel so old. I had, I had silent service on an Atari home computer. Oh wow! Mm. I actually never knew that it was that it existed outside of the NES. I thought it was oh. one of those ultra games that Konami snuck in there to get a couple extra extra titles on the NES. But yeah, there's no silent service game. We're talking about games that are secretly the best games, like Outer wilds which is one of those games that everyone's like you should play outer wilds and i always mess it up and think it's that other game outer wings or whatever world outer world, world. Outer yeah. wings. i always get it. i knew it was a w but yeah uh, outer wilds is coming to the uh the nintendo switch and yep. i have not played it so this might be my first chance to play it out yeah outer- my game of the year oh there you wow. go. Uh, 2019 right yeah loved it yeah did you want to talk a little bit more about it like obviously yeah, outer worlds is the fallout like RPG in Outer Wilds is an adventure game, right? Make them make sense in my head. I just can't. Because they came out like the same, like it was around the same year. I think it was the same year, and it sounds like the same game. Uh, Outer Worlds was fine. Outer Wilds was like, I've never had a game experience like it in my life. And it's like, when people ask if you could like, erase your memory of a game and play it for the first time. Like, I don't think I would pick Link to the Past or Mario World, which, you know, I consider it to be like my favorite games of all time. Like, sure, that'd be great. But there's nothing inherently about the way those games are structured like the way Outer Wilds is. Outer Wilds, you can't really replay it. If I were to pick it up right now for the first time in a few years and try to go through the main, like not the DLC stuff, I would still kind of know most of the secrets or remember like, oh, right, I got to go here and do this. It was the discovery element and kind of that water cooler element of like several people were playing at the same time. Be like, wait, wait, have you gone to this planet? Did you figure this thing out? And oh, I had a totally different thing there. It it is the key. Like, don't read anything about it. Don't uh, ask anyone about it. Like, Seth, if you haven't played it, don't look up a single thing. Perfect. Stop. Stop watching Uh, now. But just know yeah. it's an adventure game and you have to kind of, you have to puzzle together things and learn lore and there's a time element. I'm a big lore fan, it turns mm-hmm. out. But it's not its not like it's stopping you frequently. Like it is teaching you everything as you play it. It's never like stop and like listen. Like it's the opposite of like the Halo Infinite thing where you're just watching a, a hologram talk for, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> it's like you're, you're reading, you're finding notes of this ancient civilization and you're kind of putting it together in this log. And you are kind of getting the picture of what happened at your own pace in your own order. Uh, it's, it, it's not linear in any way. And it's just so fun seeing this like, it's kind of like one of those cork boards with all the red string, you know, like cool. there's actually a thing on your ship that basically is one of those. And you're like, oh, wait, I think I realized after reading about what happens on this planet, I wonder if that affects this planet. And then you go investigate this stuff and you feel like a genius when you figure this stuff out. It's so, so I good. need that in my life. <laughs> I've been for feeling Check it out. Numb. All right. Excellent. Kat, do you have any thoughts on Outer Wilds? It's a really elaborate puzzle solving game. One of the, in terms of structure, uh, really clever. I love the open-ended nature uh, of the puzzle solving. And I think it kind of made us rethink that particular genre of game. And Damn. I think I'm Why very excited to play, play it on Nintendo Switch. It's a perfect Switch game. Ah, what is wrong with me? God. Well, now I have to play it. So I'm looking forward to that one when it hits the Nintendo Switch. Shame on you for not playing every single game that comes out, Seth. It is a huge problem that I have. I don't play every game. And like, look, I just have to be honest right here, right now in front of everybody. I don't play. Every shameful. Game. It's, it's my shameful secret, but it's not a secret anymore. Now I can move forward and we can move forward with this segment. Pocky and Rocky reshrined new trailer just came out. That's another, uh, secret best game coming to Nintendo switch. Um, I haven't played Pocky or Rocky, so I don't know 
Although I do love Rocky Four. That is the best one. Of course. And I have terrible. What, Rocky Four? No, it's not. It has the robot. No, it's terrible that you haven't played it. Oh, okay. Okay. That you're relating. We're about to get into a fight here. Pocky and Rocky to the Rocky franchise. Pocky and Rocky, like Goemon, is one of those very, very Japanese series that got a translation that didn't do its justice. And like Pocky and Rocky, it's an action game. So there's not a lot of text, but it's Pocky is a is a, a Shinto temple maiden, like, a, like, and Rocky is a raccoon, ah, hence Rocky, right? Well, actually a Tanuki, but whatever. And so it, it, the, the franchise is called Kiki Kai Kai in Japan. It got translated to Pocky and Rocky. It's, it has some of the most beautiful kind of Japanese pixel art. It's all set around the shrines. It has like the traditional, <laughs> traditional Japanese monsters from uh, Japanese folklore. Like you see the Daruma jumping around. It's got the, you know, the one-eyed umbrella, the weird Kasaget guys. Like it's really charming. It's a game where you can defend against, uh, it's a shmup. You can defend against uh, enemy bullets by like waving your, your fan or when you're Pocky, you, uh, Rocky, you're using your tail. Um, and you can attack and you can upgrade your shots. Really, really well de- uh, designed shooter. And like it's just, it was never big in the US. And so it's kind of like a secret. Uh, as the raccoon, obviously, the, the tanuki, you can turn into a stone statue to not be harmed. Of course. Enemies. Like, like you know, like they they do in real life, in nature. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just, I've seen planet Earth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here we have the raccoon badger. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's if it's not on your radar, it looks like the team is doing a really nice job with the, um, with the uh, update. They, they're keeping the... The pixel art look, but it is more, you can tell it's running on a more powerful engine. The original slowed down a lot. Yeah. Is it Pocky or Rocky who's killed by Ivan Drago? Uh, yeah, it's Pocky. That's, he just kept saying, throw in the towel. Throw in the yeah, towel. Do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Where's Rocky going to yeah. Russia for revenge. Of course. You guys I are mean, is this a my friends. remake? Yeah, this is not a sequel, right? This is a a remake or a uh, it's, remaster. It's it's a remake. Uh, it's a remake that uh, they. I, I mean, they're adding things and they're doing things that the old hardware just couldn't do. So you saw that already with the rotational effect on the little bamboo shoots there. Like we, we yeah. did, we, yeah, the Super NES games couldn't. That wasn't that. Mode Seven scrolling. Uh, no, no. But it still looks like it, right? Like it still looks like something yeah, that this actually super could have come out on the cool. Super NES. And it's it's I never co-op. played it. The entire back game in the day, co-op. I never played it. Mm-hmm. This looks extremely up my alley. Yeah, right? I am very interested in this. So when is this coming out? And is this a, a standalone release? This isn't like a Switch Online thing, right? No, it's a, it's coming out. I think Natsume is uh, bringing it out. Yeah, April. There in you Japan. Go. So. Yeah. Who knows? It looks great. So in three years from now, we'll get it here. Oh, wait, no, that's how it used to be. So yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're saying it's a sequel. So it's not, they didn't just replicate all the levels and the bosses. The, a lot of the elements and enemies are familiar, but it's it's redone completely. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks this looks good. But that was right? Pocky and Rocky Reshot. We've got Outer Wilds, Advanced Wars, Far Changing Tides, Triangle Strategy, Sea of Stars, Metal Slug Tactics, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Those are the secret best games coming to the Switch in 2022. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more. Yeah, like F-Zero. Like (laughs) F-Zero is finally coming out again. And it's going to be whichever one nobody liked. That's the one that they'll bring back. It's going to be F-Zero SX. Yes, which I don't get that reference, but I'm going to trust you, Pear. So sexy. (laughs) 
Well, let's talk about Kirby, who has no sex appeal whatsoever. Maybe <laughs> I'm sure somebody has it, but Kirby, somebody. Kirby You're not comes into out. Eldritch Gods, Seth. <laughs> no, not really. It's not your thing. No, I mean, and I'm not judging anyone who who's into that. You know, you be you. It's 2022. Kirby, we know now, is coming to the Nintendo Switch in his post-apocalyptic wasteland on March 25th. And they've announced that, oh, by the way, it's the 30th anniversary. Watch out for new cool Kirby stuff. Calling it right now. As soon as I saw that, I was like, well, we're getting a Kirby Game & Watch. And I bet it has tilt and tumble on it. I bet they throw a little gyroscope Mm. in there. But yeah, we canvas curse. Yeah, just all the Kirby games. Just put them on the Mm -hmm. Game & Watch. It'll be a cute little pink one. It won't go well with the red and the green of the other Game & Watches, but that is okay. We're not all about color coordination here. The, the it's this is this is the the first trailer, but the the new gameplay footage um, that just came out. Um, there's some scenes that are genuinely way way better than anything we've ever seen from Hal. Like yeah. graphically, there's some yeah. some really pretty lighting, and you know, they granted it's like fixed perspective shots and all that, but it it you know it looks there's some really nice looking moments in here yeah. where I had to say like, wait, this is Kirby. It looks yeah. fantastic. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's that like sunset golden hour yeah. shot. Where it's and, just like, how is this a possible thing? I mean, uh, contrast that with the 13 minutes of Arceus gameplay that we got shown today, which looks, I'm going to say, not really that great. Um, and man, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but Kirby looks so good on the other yep. end of it. Yeah, and a couple of things like you can, you can see it's not it's not an open world game. They're like scenes that show Kirby traversing between what look like level hubs. So yeah. you know, it's definitely more level based, probably like more like something like Super Mario Odyssey uh, than Bowser's Fury. Sure. Um, and then uh, which is totally fine, um, and it does have co op. So despite the the more roaming camera viewpoint, uh, Kirby is a co op game, just um, like the old one. Oh, interesting. I got to say, I out of all the like Nintendo franchises that have been around forever, Kirby is probably the one that never, like, despite playing most of them, I think, it just never grabbed me that much. Yeah. I mean, oh, look I, at I reviewed that. a bunch of the old, like, DS <laughs> wow, and, oh, does look nice. Like, the DS and 3DS ones, like, the ones that stood out to me the most were the ones that had gimmicks, actually. It's usually the other way around. Like, I liked Canvas <laughs> Curse. Uh, I liked Epic Yarn because the art style was so unique at the time. Yeah. So it's typically like the standard platformers. There was something just so floaty about the way Kirby controlled. Like I liked the hook of like taking on enemies' abilities and things like that, but the platforming just felt weird to me. Hmm. But looking at this, this does like yeah, made me think of Odyssey. And and I don't I don't associate Kirby with 3D platforming like this looks like. So I'm super more interested in in this than most Kirby games. I think. I think what what you're describing. I think a lot of people feel uh, about Kirby that way, except for younger players, right? Like the games where the the games are much more forgiving than a Mario game, where like he can save yeah. himself from falling down from a platform. So that, but there occasionally the games like Robobot or whatever, where you're like, okay, this is not that easy. Like it looks easier than it actually is in the end. Like it looks more more kid friendly than it actually is. So. I'm curious to see where this one falls, but I'm with you, man. Like if you think about Kirby Air Ride or, you know, like anytime you had to use the stylus to draw things and uh, there have oh, been yeah. some really interesting Kirby concepts in the past and they they were often more engaging than the, the, the side scrollers, which were, they were competent. They just were kind of, you know, the lack of challenge made them a little bit by the numbers and boring. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah, Kirby be mad at me, Kirby Vance. 
And yet Kirby's Adventure is one of the five best games on the Nintendo, I would say. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, it's full of secrets. It's visually inventive. Yeah. There's so much to do in that game. So if anything, I think Kirby gets short shrift from a lot of Nintendo fans. Maybe because right. there have been so many more Kirby games over the years than, say, Zelda games. So yeah. they, they tend to kind of blur, blur together a little bit. But at the same time, the Kirby series, it was first in Iwata's heart. He loved that series very, very much. But also, it tended to be where Nintendo got weird. It got inventive. They had a lot of fun, you know? And yeah. I am never going to begrudge on that. The question that I have with Kirby this year is, between Pokemon Legends Arceus and uh, the new Kirby game coming out in March, how are we feeling about the first quarter of Nintendo's year on the Switch? Because I'd say that's two uh, above-average Temple releases to kick off 2022. Yeah, I think that's a, a strong start. I'm a little hesitant to say that Arceus is going to... I mean, I, I can't say with any authority, but from what I've seen, I, I'm not as excited now as I was when they first revealed it. However, I'm... Really? I'm yeah. more excited oh, now that I've seen the, the trailer. Well, what is it that specifically that sort of piqued your interest or raised your interest, rather? I like the art style. I like the openness of the world. I like the the crafting system and that there's seemingly the systems are pretty interesting. Um, I just think that it's an original take on Pokemon. And I'm, I think that it's going to be deeper and more interesting than a lot of people ultimately suppose. And I, really, yeah, I hope that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that if it goes well, it could be uh, secretly one of the best games released on the Nintendo Switch this year. So yeah, I was when I first saw the concept, I was a little worried that maybe the game would be a little bit too slow paced and ponderous. Like you know, exploring a big world like that, um, where nothing attacks you, isn't you know, it, it sounded a little bit. But they do murder you. But the now, Pokemon are coming for you, pair. That's right. Now we've yeah. got the evil red-eyed attack Pokemon that come after you, and they make you faint, and they steal your stuff while you're asleep. Like your wallet is gone. Oh, weird. So yeah, you gotta you gotta watch like out in this one. Spend the night at the YMCA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, no, I actually look the Pokemon Company is not the best when it comes to you know graphics and presentation. They're they're you know they're a little stuck in the past. Um, but I think it looks reasonably good, and I, the gameplay elements I saw in the trailer look really fun. There's a, there's some cool stuff there. We'll see. Um, we'll see how repetitive it gets, and how good the lore is, and, and ties it to the, the future. Yeah, I'm. I'm very interested in it. I just am not as interested as, in it as I was. Whereas Kirby is the opposite. I was like, oh, this looks interesting, and then you know the new Kirby stuff we've seen. I'm like, well, yeah, sign me up. I want this Kirby in my life. And it's mm-hmm. funny. Uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn came out at like the perfect time when Connor was a little kid, and you could never die in Kirby's mm-hmm. Epic yep. Yarn. And the music was just this like real cool, like mellow jazz. And it became his favorite game. And now he's, you know, he's a senior in high school and Kirby is his favorite Nintendo character. He has Kirby socks. He has a Kirby beanie. He just, he loves, he loves Kirby. Yeah. It's awesome. So very much looking forward to, to Kirby coming out March 25th and yep. celebrating the 30th anniversary of Kirby and that Kirby game watch. I'm already going to tell Dan the other Dan. <laughs> reviews Dan that I want to review it. Because, Stapleton. Yeah, Dan yep. Stapleton. <laughs> yeah. Not the other Dan, Dan Parkhurst. Uh, 
Sorry. There's so many dance. Dance. Dance out there. Yeah. All good people. It's a good, good too many dance. <laughs> Probably some bad dance. <laughs> Please. It's gotta be right. If there's a bad Dan, let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hashtag bad Dan. That uh, dance. <laughs> Sorry. That's my Indiana Jones. Oh, <laughs> All right, let's hit some quick news topics. Card Fighters Clash, now on Switch. Uh, Eurogamer calls it the Neo Geo Pocket's best game. I didn't have a Neo Geo Pocket. I didn't know anybody who had a Neo Geo Pocket until I started following Jeremy Parrish. I didn't even know that the Neo Geo Pocket existed, but apparently this is the best game. Kat, you put this in the news roundup. Would you please tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about... Oh, you're putting me on the spot right here. I think it was just interesting because... There's a lot of hype in the retro scenes uh, when it comes to uh, this particular game. And I think it came out a little earlier than people were expecting with this one. So mm-hmm. it was going, it was flying under the radar a little bit, but it's worth highlighting because so many people always praise it when they're talking about the Neo Geo Pocket Color. And honestly, it looks really cute. It does. It's pre- yeah, I, I own a Neo Geo Pocket and a Neo Geo Pocket Color. And uh, I played many of the original SNK games that they released for it, except for Card Fighters Clash. Oh, interesting. That's like the one I remember Craig Harris loving it. He reviewed it for IG and gave it a nine back in the days. And I just wasn't into the cards theme of it. Mm. Um, and I played, uh, you know, SNK's Fighters on the platform. But uh, he, he, swore, he swore by it. He called it one of the best games on the platform, too. Wow. Well, I know that uh, they don't. They haven't released it yet, but there will be an analog pocket uh, Neo Geo pocket adapter. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go spend probably eight hundred dollars for the cart or whatever it is now on eBay, because everything's I'm crazy. looking forward to the PC Engine one. Honestly, I, I, I know it. Yeah, yeah. That also some really expensive games for that system, but we could talk about analog pocket. We can do a whole podcast about that. But this is the news rundown. Bidoof video hits YouTube. We all love. Bidoof, we love saying it the wrong way. Bidoof or Bidoof, however you want to say it. He's a he's like he looks like a hamster, but he's not. He's a beaver. That's a rat. And he, you find him early on in every in the new Pokemon games, and then eventually you abandon him. But this is a, an adorable little video. It's just like an eight minute uh, CGI video, right? Yeah. yeah. And but look at the simple art style. Come on, Game Freak. This is possible on Switch in real time. Right. Just get with it. Seriously, this is yeah. what it should look like, right? This Are we doing what? graphics discourse on an eight-minute YouTube video? Yes. <laughs> what is this promoting? Is this for Arceus? Or is this, yeah. uh, it is. Yeah, it's just They're leaning Bidoof's. into the meme because Bidoof was a meme 15 years ago. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Bidoof is running uh, for president. Finger yeah. on the pulse. It's incredible, yeah. He's got a 20 Oh, my God. Run. That's Nobody terrifying. And then Bidoof died. The end. Yeah, yep. that's it. It's, <laughs> the rest is just eight minutes of his breathless body laying on. It's pretty horrible, but... Uh, Speaking of Pokemon, some LAPD officers were fired for catching Pokemon instead of criminals. Apparently, they were uh, out there with Pokemon Go while crime was happening all around them. And they're like, oh, <laughs> there's a, a, a shiny po- uh, Pikachu over there. Let's go over there. Away it was from a crime. Snorlax, actually. Oh, oh A wow. fairly common Pokemon, but they just had to go catch it. Oh, Wait. Man. Wow. All right. Hey. This was, this was a while back, right? It's just... God, yeah. th- they're not it's just, still playing it. Yeah. Well, it just ended up uh, hitting the news because I That's think right. Vice went through police reports and were like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go through IGN reports, you'll find that Andrew Goldfarb fell off the pier in San Francisco trying to catch one. So. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And you know what's, 
Pause but what's scene. amazing about it didn't slow him down. He still has everyone. He's still playing it. Yeah, uh, lovely he, photos from underwater. Pokemon. <laughs> he was damaged, but he lived. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it he only fainted. made him stronger, actually. And we already spoke on the new Arceus trailer, uh, which is 13 minutes. Shows off the gameplay. Uh, people are saying they don't like the look of it. I am one of them. I thought that graphically it looked a little bit. That's game freak there you know you know what to, you know what you're gonna get but i did think there were lots of elements in that trailer that showed things that i didn't expect that would be in the game so that that's i'm with cat i'm actually more excited for it than i was before okay well cat it's funny that he should mention you because it's cat take time and i'm still not good at segment uh segways so <laughs> i'm not good at segment look i'm not good at a lot of things <laughs> There's not time for that because we have to do a cat take right now. This is a little adjacent to Nintendo, but there was some discourse recently around Dying Light 2 where the developers initially were like going 500 hours of gameplay and people were like, that's too much, man. Too many. And they were like, actually more like 80 hours. (laughs) And then they were like, actually maybe more like 30. And this kind of spurred on a lot of discourse about whether actually, do we need a 500-hour game? Do we want... Uh, is it better if a game were actually like 10 or 12 hours and that kind of thing? And I think that... I, I've always kind of been on the... I like a good 15 to 20-hour game that's really tight, and really well-paced. But if anything, I think that the pendulum has swung a little too far the other direction. I, I have come here to praise really long, really in-depth games that I can play for years and years and years. I'm still playing Witcher 3, a game that I've put like 200 hours into. There's so much to do and so much to find and so much of it is really interesting. Here's the difference between a game like Witcher 3 and then a game like, I don't know, uh, I'm trying your typical Assassin's Creed Valhalla game, for example. It has actual interesting content. It's not just there to waste your time or be there to (laughs) fill in the gaps. And so... If I feel like I'm constantly discovering interesting new things or I have things to do, then I'm more than happy to put like 500 hours into a game. It's these rich, wonderful experiences that really make me love games. It's just that too many games just put in so much filler because they have to hit some kind of artificial level to make people think, oh, this is worth a $60 price tag. So what I'm saying is it's not necessarily about the length. It's about the quality of the content and if you're stretching yourself too far i think that's a warning flag that's my cat take for this week nice that's one of the things i appreciated about that miles morales game Hmm. is that especially in the open world genre i think you know gta kind of set that bar of like look at all this stuff you can do and like every open world game since then is like look at all this stuff you can do even if it's not great as cat said with some of them and miles morales as much as i like that first spider-man game it was really good miles morales was such a like Hey, look, it's a big open world AAA game, but, you know, you can beat in, what was it, 15, 20 hours yeah. at most, something like that, maybe mm-hmm. less. Uh, I really did appreciate that because I love the genre, but I don't always, I'm not always in the mood to put like 100 hours into something. I like yeah. it when it's, uh, what's the word, optional, where you have a really tight and interesting story. But if you want to go off the beaten path and find lots of interesting stuff, it's all over there. Go go have fun. Go mm-hmm. learn about the lore. That kind I, th- of I think that's it. And it, honestly, it, it depends on your personality, how you react to open world games and how they're populated, right? Like Cyberpunk, I liked the core quests and everything, but I quickly found that the side missions were just so repetitive that it just felt like I was doing chores. And my personality is like, 
I, I always get distracted by all the things you can do in a game. Like I wanna, okay, I wanna, I wanna check that off. I wanna do that. Oh, there's a there's a treasure chest. I know it's gonna have crap in it, but I'll still <laughs> I still have to do it, right? And I think in some games, like like you know, in Assassin's Creed, there's this angle of um, cyber tourism. Like you're in a world that no longer exists and in a foreign country, and maybe you've been to Italy and you've seen the churches before and go like, oh my God, I can climb it. Um, so I, I, I love short type games, but I also love it when it's just the world is so big that people can spend hundreds of hours in, in it and get everybody gets something different out of them. And then super selfishly, those are the games that perform best on IGN, right? Yeah. A Breath of the Wild, Skyrim, mm-hmm. and The Witcher 3 there's still some of our most trafficked games on IGN years after, which means there are people who are, they, they keep playing them for years and going back and finding right. something in them. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like, a, it's just that there are a lot of bad open world games out there. <laughs> there are. Yeah. 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 The, the really think, good ones are really satisfying. It's almost like ASMR in video game form where you're just yeah. riding across this gorgeous world. And what's this over here? I'm going to go collect some of this. I'm going to go meet these people. Oh, that's an interesting bit of, uh, of gameplay that just turned into storytelling. That's really neat. But so many video, so many open worlds are just overstuffed with content and it's not there for any particular purpose outside of being content. Right. And this is Japanese games and Western games alike, yep. where they'll say, go do this side quest, go get five things. This is why I'm struggling so much with getting into Final Fantasy fourteen. It's because mm. A Realm Reborn is so much of that. It's like, get mm. five of the thing. Don't, I, when I play a game where it says, go get the five of the thing, and it's a mandatory quest, I check out immediately. I can't do it. And I think there are two games that are kind of the shining examples of getting it right. One is Breath of the Wild, where every encounter is different because of the the systems that they've built, right? Like you can you can attack the same the same bokoblins five times, and each time things go slightly different, and you want to do them differently. Take their weapons, set something on fire, throw a bomb from far away, roll a boulder, right? Like all these things make that open world just so infinitely replayable. And then the other one is The Witcher, where The Witcher Three, where they had the guts to make the best quests the side quests. Like the story, the main story is fine, but like once you pursue a side quest that is optional, you realize that they're like they're like short stories in a great book. And that makes you want to discover them. Whereas like in a lot of open world games, the side quests are just simple fetch quests or go free a camp. And like I really appreciate that and just the courage to say, um, something amazingly written could be optional and most players will not see it. Yeah, oh. yeah. I think the main offender for the bad version. I think I think it's telling the cat's head went straight to uh, Assassin's Creed because Ubisoft. You know, they get a lot of crap for like their open world stuff, and there's a reason for it. Between the Assassin's Creeds and the Far Cries and stuff, I think they are the main offender of the like climb a thing, see more of the map, go do five of these things. You know, it's like yeah. it got very boring very quick, and and they are a main offender there. Go yep. find this feather. There's a hundred and eighty of them, and they blow I away when you get near them. <laughs> no, 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 I. Those are my least. Partially things. gelatinated video game like content. <laughs> the, the fly, the flying away, no cheats and stuff are the worst. They got rid of them for a while yeah. and they're back now, and they're just Ugh. not fun, right? No, I, do, I just I want to listen to some. Sea I do shams. like, I do like the Assassin's Creed games, and I, I loved, I really enjoyed the last one too. But it is, if you are, if you have the mentality of needing to do everything, it's it can be torturous, right? Because yeah. there's so many side things that are just not fun to do. 
We didn't no. even mention Assassin's Creed 2 coming to the Nintendo Switch during the, the quick funny. news hits with the Ezio collection. Mm-hmm. And Assassin's Creed 2 and its uh, sort of sequels are generally considered to be some of the best in the series. Yep. And I'm not going to entirely disagree. It was just some of the later games, especially Valhalla, that just got so bloated to the point where it's like, this is 120 hours? Why? This yeah. doesn't have to be 120 hours. <laughs> I'm still playing the DLC. I keep on putting it off because, yeah, it, it it does feel a little bit like a chore. I still liked it, but my favorite was always Black Flag because pirates. Yeah, that's just, the best one. Everything is everything is better with pirates. Yep. Odyssey was great too. Odyssey was was pretty all right, yeah, mm-hmm. but it didn't have sea shanties, like I said. <laughs> everything is better with the pirates. I I would like to put that to the test. Is everything actually better with pirates? Look at that. Oh wait, that's not a pirate. Well, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Cat, for the cat take. That was another good one. They're always incredible. I want to talk now. Basically, this is just to Dan. Dan, we know that wrestling is a huge part of your life. And I'm yes. curious to know your all-time favorite wrestling games and then your all-time favorite wrestler. Oh, boy. Um, well, one's easy. Uh, I don't think it's a controversial take that I think No Mercy for the 64 is the best one like all those aki games you know from the ones that came out here to like virtual pro wrestling and stuff in japan only uh they were great but no mercy was the one that had all the modes uh you know the customization Uh. story modes match types things like that the roster was incredible at the time uh no mercy is definitely my favorite of all time other highlights like smackdown series was pretty solid um here comes the pain is probably my favorite there uh for going more recent i think uh wwe uh, 13 and 2k 14 uh, their story modes, with like the Attitude Era mode and the WrestleMania mode, were a lot of fun from a historical perspective. Uh, I think the thing that I don't know, like my big blind spot with wrestling games is Fire Pro. Because yeah. I know people, uh, you know, wrestling fans I've heard for my whole life, basically, about how great Fire Pro was. And uh, I really haven't played a lot of them. I think something about like the isometric, like when I would see screenshots and things, the, the isometric nature of it just didn't seem like it would feel right. But I never really put the time into... Uh, to, to give him a shot. I, I remember uh, I was in Japan once and I interviewed Suda51. I didn't realize that he had written some of the, uh, like, or at least one of the, the Fire Pro <laughs> stories and that, that those career modes went a little deep into some stuff that you wouldn't expect from a wrestling game. And it sounds like they're awesome. I'm sure if I would have given them the time, I, I would have liked it. But uh, yeah, I just want to make sure I'm mentioning that because I know people have right. very strong feelings about that. But, um, you know, when I first got into wrestling, uh, the, it was Rumble, Royal Rumble and Raw for the Genesis and Super were the ones I played a lot of. I bought a Sega CD just for Rage in the Cage. Wow. That was the only game I ever bought for Sega CD because you could watch, like, <laughs> crappy compressed videos of the finishers. You know, this is pre-internet. So it's like, I can just see Diesel do the Jackknife Powerbomb anytime. <laughs> and uh, it was so novel at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the the short version though is No Mercy. No Mercy is the is the best wrestling game of all time. Absolutely. Um, favorite wrestler? Boy, that's such a so hard, hmm. right? It is because it's like you know wrestling is such a there are so many different things that make a great wrestler. There's like an a, a incredible uh, technical wrestler, then there's some that are just incredible on the mic. They're the ones that did both. Um, if I had to point to one that throughout my life uh, I, I got the most entertainment from. Uh, probably Steve Austin. And again, this nice. is not a controversial pick. He's like the biggest name in the in the industry. You know, yeah. he took the industry to unseen heights. Uh, and but oh God, I look back at those segments and everything and not everything is aged gracefully from that era. <laughs> but man, Austin was just 
funny as hell. And whether yeah. he needed to be like super duper intense and, and really sell you on a match to, to get you to, to buy a pay-per-view or uh, if he wanted to be super hilarious and weird, you know, like he was really good at that, too. So, uh, yeah, I, I would have to point to to Austin as my my favorite all around ever. Yeah, I mean, he's an absolute legend. I remember in 1998, uh, they were filming an episode, I think, Raw or SmackDown in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I was supposed to go, but I didn't. But Stone Cold Steve Austin was standing on the bridge uh, over the Piscataqua River, which is the border between Maine and New Hampshire. And he's got the W, uh, the championship belt. And I don't remember the, the, the why of how it happened, but he threw it over into the Piscataqua River. And I've always thought, man, should I just like go drag the Piscataqua <laughs> River? Or was there somebody? Oh, like, somebody has. Somebody yeah. definitely has. Man. Was that when uh, him and Rock were, were going Oh, at yeah. They the were title? beefing. That was nice. Yep. yep. That, was, that was a <laughs> That's good time. Right. Yep. And then actually- <laughs> we, warned, we warned Seth, Kat and I warned Seth that in wrestling talk, we wouldn't be able to contribute that much. Um, so don't don't mistake our our silence for disinterest. <laughs> but I do fondly remember my time in the the former Imagine Media office, uh, IGN office, uh, playing WCD, uh, WCW Nitro, and then later we played No Mercy. Like th- those games were huge, and they actually cost us a lot of work hours. Like people yeah. kept on playing four player on those games and and just not stopping in the office. <sighs> So, I remember in high school, I'd be going to IGN64.com because you, you guys would have like, hey, we're going to reveal like today we're revealing that Kane is in the game. And I just like <laughs> wait there and hit F5 until I find out who the new like, yeah, man, I was right there. Yeah, Re- <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's right. A wrestler and roster reveals used to be this giant thing. Like people oh, really great for you guys. showed up for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, there was and a- then the developers said, we're going to do it ourselves. There was a WrestleMania game or a WWE game some years ago that I played somewhat randomly. And it had an entire tribute to 25 years or however many years there have been of of WrestleMania at this point. They were like, go and and recreate the big scene between uh, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. Oh, my God. WrestleMania 3. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like going... And I'm not a wrestling fan, but I am a sports fan. And I was like going, wow, I wish sports games would do this. That where would be awesome. It did such a good job of incorporating old clips and the the feeling of actually being during that event with the nostalgia and everything. And I was yeah. like, wow, what a great idea. Like, I'm not even a wrestling fan. And this is making me nostalgic for this particularly particular era. Well done. And, and that's why I loved those so much, especially like 13's Attitude Era mode, is because I was, you know, a teenager obsessed with that stuff back then. And to be able to play through those moments and get those really slickly produced video packages and everything, it was like, as a wrestling history nerd, it was like perfect for me. Uh, we need more wrestling history. I'm getting like all pumped up now <laughs> thinking about like all the all the drop kicks I did to my friends and how many injuries we had because we would play. Like, I'm sure they looked beautiful. Even in, I'm sure you looked like Randy Orton up oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> getting some height on those drop kicks. Even when I was in uh, like in the Air Force in 98 in tech school, like we would play those N64 wrestling games and then we would go into the day room and we had like a wrestling league. And I was in the MWO, the Macy World Order, which I realized was, was WCW, original. Original, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, we're going to move on because <laughs> Cat and Pear have nothing to add to this conversation, and I will just get like way too excited thinking about it. But anyway, let's real quickly uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. I after last week's show, I decided to download Into the Breach, hoping it was on sale. It wasn't. I bought it anyway. I said I didn't like strategy games. Well, Into the Breach, I am way into that game. I probably 
would have stayed up all uh, last night playing it if I didn't have interdiscipline. So yeah, into the breach. I know it's like three years late, but uh-huh. FTL probably one of my probably the most played game of all that I've ever played is FTL. And so to, yeah, to get this and have the same sort of feel, but different and like, I love the graphics. I love the, yeah, I'm going to be playing this game for a lot. It's awesome. It's so, it's so simple. Right. And, and just the, the different, the different moves you can pull off, like in the video, video footage, you showed the push move and how pivotal that is to the strategy in this game to get rid of enemies. It, yeah, it's just a really well-designed game. And then it's just so tightly designed around those kind of small battles and, you know, and, and that kind of rogue roguelite element to it. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's just fantastic. It's, a, it's, it's a fun real- to I- unlock new units and try them out because the three different units will all have different chemistry and completely affect oh. how you approach your strategy with each map. So I know that. It's... And that makes it very replayable. And then it's also pretty forgiving because you'll get <laughs> to a point where you'll die, but you can save one of your units and br- keep bringing them back. Or like one of your units, one of your pilots, I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't it, it doesn't feel as punishing as FTL. FTL's a game that I really enjoyed, but I was never actually able to beat because I would always get to like the third phase of the Rebel I beat it once. Capital yeah. Ship. And I've played yeah. at least a thousand hours and I've beat it once. Yeah. Well, Into the Breach to me, I love because it feels like a logic puzzle because like you can't get screwed over in that game. If you stop and look at that long enough, it tells you if I do this, that unit is going to go there. You know, between these rounds, these are the things that are going to happen. It tells you move for move what's going to happen. And sometimes it's very hard to figure out how to do things in what order to make sure that that building doesn't get attacked or you don't lose this unit or whatever. But nothing's ever a surprise. Like, you know what's coming next. And uh yeah, it, it feels more like a puzzle game than than like it's certainly not a real time strategy game. But uh, I don't know. I, I just I think I took to that more than even like a Fire Emblem or an Advance Wars because I did feel in the latter that sometimes I would get screwed over, just like <laughs> oh, you know, a dice roll went the wrong way or something like this. Whereas Into the Breach, you know exactly how much damage you're doing. You know? Yeah, I, I love it when I can see that I screwed myself. I'm like, well, yep. nothing I can do. I should have thought this yep. one through. But yeah, that's an awesome game. Pear, uh, would you surprise us? With what you've been playing? <laughs> uh, well, Forza. Uh, no, um, uh, Picross 7 came out. And Ooh. despite... And you started it. Okay. I, I, you know, like my home screen is really funny because um, I I had to go back and load my saves from my other Switches because having the older games uh, here, if you, if you see me uh, uh, holding up my Switch, loading oh, the older games... Uh, unlocks puzzles in the new ones as well. You get those super oversized ones where old people like me have to get their reading glasses to see the <laughs> teeny tiny numbers because there's still no Zoom built in. Uh, no, it's it's exactly the same. The Quest S7 is exactly the same as 6, which means it's a good game. It, it's uh, the, the interface is still the best for a puzzle for, uh, for um, a Picross game like this. And it brings back one thing from the DS age and that's the stylus usage. Now, it works really well. Stylus works awesome. But I will say that the format of the Switch, it's much bigger. So it's not the same as the DS where the stylus was built into how you use that system. Right. It was comfortable and it was a small uh, a small uh, handheld in your hand. It's, you know, the Switch is very big. But um, stylus is fast. You can, like, you know, fill in lines really, really quickly if you have one of these optional Devices. Of course. Um, yeah, like the Switch doesn't have it. I have the it's one not... I got from uh, GameStop as a promotion. 
for uh, Pokemon the, X and Y. Was it styli, styluses, whatever the the switch styluses? There's no technology inside, so you can no. use any any styluses for it. You just like uh, Steve Jobs said, we have ten styluses right here in his finger. That's right. Actually, made it was a monstrous hand made of styluses. Exactly, he but yeah, this is um, have that. You're seeing uh, right now. You're seeing a puzzle that would that is take stressing me out. Hours, like seventy five hundred <laughs> hours to do. Yeah, no, that's too many. Cat, uh, what have you been? What have you been playing? Picross Seven. Decidedly, decidedly non-Tendo this week. Oh. I've been playing Bloodborne for my other podcast, and oh. I have been really enjoying it because this is partly to get ready for Elden Ring, and mm-hmm. I never got that far into Bloodborne. And I'm still not that far, ultimately, but I'm up to the Blood-Starved Beast, who kind of kicked my butt last night while I was trying to finish him off. So I am going to probably have to call in some friends to give me a hand with it. But wow, that game is gorgeous. It still really holds up. The I, I love how much they refine the combat from the Dark Souls games. There's so many secrets to find. And I'm constantly impressed by the intricacy of the level design. It's a game where you can feel really lost, but never hopelessly so. Mm. So, And there's just so many vibes to the atmosphere and everything. I... I think that people, whenever the Souls games come out, people just automatically start talking about difficulty. But I think the difficulty mm-hmm. question is a little overstated with a game like Bloodborne because you can come up with some pretty broken builds. If you're willing to do some grinding, you'll be fine. It's like that classic JRPG kind of question. But I, yeah, it's been nice to go. I, I wasn't expected to be as hooked as I ended up being oh, awesome. on Bloodborne. It's a sad. It's sad that it's never going to come to the Switch because that's def- that's definitely a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, no, that's, that's never. Coming. They did a good job of bringing the series over with the Dark Souls remastered games. Well, as good as uh, a, a job sure. as you could probably expect. So, right, right. <laughs> well, now, now I'm going to have to give it another shot. But Dan, you've been playing anything that you can? Uh... I have. Um, unfortunately, the main thing I've been playing lately is embargoed until next week. Oh. I'll be talking about that a lot, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Got a lot to Put say that one that. on your bingo card. Uh, Somebody's talking about a game they can't talk about. Yep, yep. But uh, yeah. I want to. Um, <laughs> not as bad as when I was playing Breath of the Wild before it came out. Oh. And it was like, did, I don't know if anybody on here was playing that beforehand. But like, I just wanted to scream about that game for two weeks. And I had to wait for that embargo and like oh, messaging other reviewers and be like, hey, wait, th- this might be the best game of all time, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not crazy here. Like, yeah, um, and it was one thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it turns out um, one thing that is not embargoed. I've been playing a lot of Seaman. So Seaman. All right. Seaman. How did you get into Seaman again? I played I, I back in the day. I had it and I was fascinated by it. Uh, and then I'm just getting into like retro collecting. Like I, I have a house now. So for the first time in my adult life, I have space. So if you're watching the video, you can see behind me. I'm like, I've got this studio where I'm just like turning into this retro haven, getting CRTs and original hardware and all this stuff. So I got a Dreamcast uh, and, and uh, someone sent me a copy of Seaman with the microphone and everything. Oh, and I was like, nice. well, hell, I don't remember what this game is like. And no one talks about it anymore because it's not like people emulate Seaman. You need the microphone. And I've been streaming it. Uh, I've been checking it every day since before the new year. And oh, man, that game. I put some clips up on my Twitter and uh, it is fascinating. And like weirdly prescient at times, like talking about the Internet and things like that and the way it was going to change like human nature and things. It, it's just been so fun to check in every day for like a half hour and to see what what weird crap's going to happen with that Seaman. And uh, um, where can people watch you play through Seaman and also Smashy Bet? 
Ah, yes, that is a twitch.tv slash Dan Reichert, R-Y-C-K-E-R-T. Uh, yeah, I do I do a lot of, lot of Nintendo stuff for sure. In fact, I was going to say something I will be playing soon. I don't know if it's a week, a month from now. Uh, Star Fox Adventures. Oh. I, I love Star Fox Super Nintendo. I mean, that blew my mind, as it right. did a lot of people back then. Star Fox 64, I think, is easily the best one. And then I played or reviewed all the ones after that, except for Adventures. And mm. I think it's because I always just wanted that ship combat. I wanted more of 64. And like between <laughs> Assault and Command and all those ones, <laughs> you never really got that actual, like, they made that Wii U one, but it had the weird gamepad gimmick and everything yeah, mm-hmm. where that didn't really work. <laughs> and so I never even tried Adventures, I don't think. So huh. now that I've got I've got a GameCube here, I got I just got well. a Wave Bird. <laughs> I want to sit back. I'm, I'm looking into getting a beanbag chair. I want this to be the appropriate, <laughs> you know, 2003 or whatever experience. Well, um, I don't expect much. I don't expect it to be great. Well, Dan, I, I need the, to... the flying sequences will truly dazzle you in this game. Uh, do they, I sense sarcasm here? Yes, they're literally okay. just there to pretend you're going from one place to the next <laughs> and there's like nothing to them. And this game has all the worst traits of like early adventure games where it tells you things that you don't need to know over and over and then has great like voice acting on top of that. Uchu Kuchu or Star Fox. It's really, oh boy. <laughs> it has really cool elements and obviously Rare was really good with graphics and Mm-hmm. And, you know, replicated some really neat Zelda elements, too. But, man, is that game rough now when you go back. I, have fun. It's but it gave us great. Crystal. That is true. Right. Give us the greatest a foxy yeah. Crystal, yeah. <laughs> it's purely from a historical standpoint. Like, there are so few first-party Nintendo games I haven't really played, especially in a series I like like this. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm even going back and playing, like, uh, for Frog, the Bell Tolls, and, and you know, Ooh. first-party stuff that never came here from yeah. Nintendo. So as I'm on this historical kick, I figure I have to knock that uh, Star Fox off the list. Yeah, I'd awesome. be really curious to actually replay it today. Like, I... I I played it a couple of years ago a little bit and it's just so convoluted. Well, you could just watch great. You could just watch Dan <laughs> yeah. play it and then that's you don't right. have to worry about it. Anyway. And cheer. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this week's NBC, even though I would love to just talk about Nintendo for eight hours straight, but you can follow us on Twitter at NVC podcast. You can submit your questions for the question block when we, when we have time for them. I apologize to everyone who, uh, submitted a question uh, on the NVC Facebook group. I want to thank our guest, Dan Reichert. One more time. Where can people find you online? Uh, twitch.tv slash Dan Reichard. Also, uh, every two weeks, I do a video game podcast with Mike Mahardy and Mary Kish called the Fire Escape Cast. We are on all the uh, podcast platforms there and also a movie podcast called Panning the Stream. So, uh, yeah, podcast, Twitch, you know, the usual business, Twitter, the all usual, that stuff. The usual. Mm-hmm. Right on. I also want to thank Kate on the ones and twos, Logan behind the scenes. And most of all, I want to thank you for hanging out with us. And please remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Get the thing. (laughs) Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. 
So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.